0: Amen. You may be seated. I run the path of your commands, for you have set my spirit free. Amen. Let us now come before the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, in you are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Open our eyes that we may see the wonders of your word and give us grace that we may clearly understand and freely choose the way of your wisdom. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, we're in Jonah, and we are reading Jonah chapter 1. And tonight, our sermon passage, our sermon text, is Jonah chapter 1 verses 11 through 16. Jonah, chapter 1, verses 11 through 16. Here now as I read God's word. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? for the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, Let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Amen. Now I'm going to start off again because I think it's to the point. I don't know how many of you have ever been caught in the act of doing something wrong. I know I haven't. (laughs) But, yeah, I have. And had to undergo discipline. Sometimes it is just a slap on the wrist. Or the warning not to do or say it again. But other times, especially if the offense warrants it, the consequences can be more severe. For children, it could mean being grounded. Where you are told to go into your room for a period of time and turn off the computer. Or... It can mean some privileges be taken away or extra chores or even even other kinds of discipline. And if you are older, it might, it might be a pay cut or it could be an unpaid leave of absence, a demotion, or even being fired from your job. It could be getting a ticket, a speeding ticket or whatever, of uh, paying a massive fine, could be going to jail. It could be some form of church discipline, maybe a public confession or in some extreme cases, a barring from the Lord's table for a period of time. But no matter what, Discipline is inevitable. And how many of you like to be disciplined? Nobody likes to get caught. What a shame. And the inevitable discipline that comes with it, who can bear it? Well, Jonah was caught. His sin was found out, and everyone aboard the ship was paying the consequences for his sin. All the mariners, the seamen, were fearing for their lives. They are about to be swallowed up by the sea. They all knew it was over. You know, Jonah's discipline was hurting those around him too. Now, once you get caught, and uh, a lot of times, especially for Christians, it may not be someone else who catches you even, but your conscience finds you out. When once you begin to undergo discipline, you know that you cannot escape. You cannot escape or save yourself from the consequences. The sailors did all that they could. They tried to check all the right boxes to get saved from the mess that they were in. Jonah, the prophet that was called by God, knew he was at the point of no return. And the only thing that he could do would pay the price, would be to pay the price himself. And hopefully... The sailors would not have to endure that suffering any longer. They would not have to suffer the death penalty for his sin of running away from God and his will. Brothers and sisters, the truth that you need to get today is that you cannot save yourself, it's impossible. It's impossible. You can't rescue yourself. All humans are in a bad situation because of the rebellion of our first parents. We are all in trouble. More than that, dead in Adam because of Adam's first sin. And there is no way to escape the punishment in and of yourself. No matter how hard you try, no matter what method you devise. And as Paul says in Romans, the wages of sin is death. This is what God's inspired word tells us. No escape. Well, in verses 11 through 13, we see the futility of our attempts. All futile. You'll try so hard to save yourself, but you will try in vain. It says, Then they said to him, 'What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. You see that? The the seamen, the mariners, those men who earned their living on their boat, those men who basically lived on their ship, were exceedingly afraid. How scared are they? Well, the Hebrew says, they feared a great fear you see their lives are hanging on a thread and they look to jonah and say what do you think you are doing just like when you do something that has repercussions for the people around you they also would say the same thing you see they knew that jonah was trying to get as far away as he could from his God they knew that Jonah was trying to get as far away as he could from the sovereign God who made the sea and the dry land because in his confession he had just told them that you see when you don't live according to your confession those around you Christians and non Christians know they can spot it And when they suffer because of it, they want answers. They want to know what they can do to get out of that situation. You see, the seamen now know who Jonah really is. And now they understand who the God whom Jonah worships is. And they are anxious. So they ask Jonah specifically what they can do that the sea would be made calm. There's no one else to ask. Their gods don't have the answers. Only Jonah's does. You see, when people want answers to their calamity, they will run to you for those answers. They will run to the church for their answers, even though they might not like the church. Or they might not be interested in Jesus or Christianity per se. You see, they recognize that they cannot get out of their circumstances on their own. And they will look for answers. Now, remember when we were in the grip of COVID a couple of years back? You know, I thought COVID was just in Taiwan but apparently it was in the USA as well. I would not be surprised if even now or up till now, people are asking you why this happened and why these calamities in the world keep happening. You know, and I pray that you would really all be prepared to turn uh, turn their attention to Jesus. Jonah told them right away what to do. Jonah knew exactly what needed to be done. Throw him into the sea. Because it was, all of this was his fault. Just like they cast their belongings into the sea earlier, they need to discard his body in the sea now. The storm was a result of Jonah's rebellion. He's the one to blame. So if they get rid of him, they will get rid of the storm. And Jonah is a prophet. Hmm. So Jonah the prophet, of course he knows what they need to do. But they just can't bring themselves to that. You know, because they respect human life. They will not kill or murder anyone. In this part of the narrative, we see just how merciful the seamen are. The text says, nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. You see, this is all that they could bring themselves to. This is all that they could do in their own strength. So they dug their oars into the waves as hard as they could and they gave it 110% effort to get back to the dock. You see, they, they are so anxious and afraid that they are even delirious. That's probably what I would do. Pray and dig in my oar. All of their lives depend on it. You know, most of you probably know from watching movies and TV that during a storm, the ships that are docked tend to receive the most damage during storms like hurricanes and tornadoes. It's easier for them to break up against the rocks or the docks that they are tied to or even other boats. But these mariners kept trying and trying harder and harder. They tried to do whatever they could on their own accord because they did not want to die. And they especially did not want Jonah to have to undergo a sea burial to perish in the waves Their actions and their words express their noble character and their motivation and their desire that not one person would die in this whole event. They value the sanctity of human life, even though they are pagans, even though they worship many gods. Well, from verses 14 through 16, we see that there's only one place anyone could possibly go for rescue. There is only one God anyone can cry out to for help. Now, there are two important things going on here. What we see here is God's common grace. Yes, I said it. God's common grace. Grace, And we see natural religion or general revelation and its effects going on. Because God exercises his special saving grace toward the elect, but his common grace he exercises toward all mankind. Now you have to get this, that common grace is not salvific. It cannot save anyone's soul. But his common grace, by his common grace, he gives humans creativity and scientific knowledge. There are many non-Christian artists and musicians who can outplay and outpaint Christians. And also by his common grace, he restrains evil in the world. And that's what's going on here so that people are not as depraved as they can be to the worst degree. And since all mankind is created in God's image, all mankind has God's moral law as part of their composition. And so part of co- God's common grace is that man is aware of what is right and what is wrong according to God's standards. So, God holds back the evil in His common grace. He does this in order that more people might have a chance to hear the gospel and respond by faith in Jesus Christ. You see, the mariners value human life, they could not spare. Not one human life, even if Jonah was the one that brought all of this upon them. They want every one of them to make it out alive. This is because they know what God commands, even though they have no personal relationship with God. They value the sanctity of human life. And we see, secondly, this idea of natural religion. Now, you notice that these two concepts kind of go together. Because all humans, being created in the image and likeness of God, have a sense of right and wrong. Christians know because the Bible says so, and because we have his word written on our hearts, but even non-Christians know because the works of the law are written on their hearts. In their minds, they know that to hurl Jonah overboard would be an act of murder. God's law says, you shall not murder. That's the sixth commandment. Maybe they didn't know which commandment it is on the list, but they did not want to have his blood or anyone else's blood avenged on them. They knew. So they tried and they strived and they battled the sea and they expended all of their energy. But one thing that we all need to get from this is that nothing we can do can save us from the predicament that we're in. No matter how hard someone tries, no matter how good or noble you try to be, no matter how much of a model citizen you are, no matter how hard you try to follow the Ten Commandments to the T, you are still stuck in the waves of your sin. You know, if you get caught in the act of stealing candy in the candy store, it might be too late. Even if you try to pay for the candy, you still shoplift it. And the police may still be called. Well, natural religion, or yeah, natural religion only gets you so far, it only brings you to the law. And then it lets you know that you are still helpless. There's nothing that you can conjure up or do on your own that can make you free. You can try as hard as you want. You can do as much as you want. But that won't work. I hope you see from this that you and I are all in a desperate situation. But you know, Jonah knows what to do, doesn't he? He tells them that it was his fault. Just throw him into the sea and the sea will be calm for them. Just hurl him overboard and their problem will be solved. He is willing to pay the price. And he would rather die. But now we're faced with a very important but hard to answer question from this text. Did Jonah... Wish to die at this point? Or did he have courageous compassion on the seamen? What was his attitude when he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea? Well, I think in order to answer this question, we need to follow Jonah's words and actions all the way up until now. But also examine Jonah in the rest of the book. Remember, Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh in the first place, for he had fear and anger toward those pagans. It was so bad that he gets in a boat that is headed practically to the other side of the world. And he wants to escape God's call and God's presence. And he even crawls way down into the bowels of the ship way down into the lowest parts of the boat, and then he falls into a deep sleep. Like if you were under full anesthesia at the hospital. You know, his attitude was not good here. But you will read in chapter 2 and 3, as you read in chapter 2 and 3, you get a sense of hope for Jonah, like, His hard attitude is turning back to the one who chose him and called him. But then, in chapter 4, verse 1, after the Ninevites turned from their wicked way, we read this, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. So, from this, we can see that Jonah really isn't acting valiantly. Rather, it appears that he has somewhat of a death wish. If he is committed to a live burial at sea, he will be gone and the seamen will be safe. We maybe see a short-sighted view from Jonah here. But you have to remember that Jonah is also a prophet of God and he is called by God for a purpose. And he's still led by God. Even though he wants to run away from God. And I think that Jonah also has compassion on the semen. To get a better idea of what is going on, you need to read this statement from the perspective of Jonah and from the perspective of the mariners. And then you'll probably find that it probably isn't an either-or, but a both-and. Yes, Jonah does have a bad attitude, and he didn't die in his sleep, so now if he is thrown overboard, it will all be over. But also, his sea burial will calm the sea. It will preserve the lives of the seamen. In verse 15, the mariners do exactly that. They throw him into the sea and they hurled him overboard and the sea stopped raging. See, in the eyes of everyone, Jonah was committed to death in the sea. The sailors' lives are spared. And we read, then the men... Feared the Lord exceedingly. And then we read that they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. They were just brought to their knees over what had just happened. They had just heard Jonah's profession of faith. And then, after obeying the prophet, their lives are spared. Of course, the thing to do would be to offer sacrifice and to make vows. This does not mean they were necessarily saved by faith in the one true God. Rather, they knew which God to give homage to in the situation. You need to pay attention here. There are people in our churches that just go through the motions. They come to church. They get baptized. They partake of the Lord's Supper. And it is even accompanied with emotion. But they were never saved. They, just like Hebrews chapter 6, they probably come for a while so that they can check off that box so that they can make sure that they worshiped the Christian God. Many people know which God to give their homage to, though they do not have faith in him. Well, anyways, back to Jonah. There's a pretty interesting link between what Jonah did and something else earlier on in the Old Testament. And if you look back earlier on in the Old Testament, in Leviticus chapter 16, for example, you'll read of the role of the scapegoat on the Day of Atonement. The goat upon which the lot fell was presented live before the Lord to make an atonement, and then he would be let loose into the wilderness. And then Jonah's sacrifice also pointed forward in redemptive history to Jesus Christ. Jonah, the prophet, like many other characters in the Bible, is a type of Christ. His valiant act that he had just performed is just like Christ's ultimate sacrifice. Though Jonah, of course, falls short. Because Jonah's motivation for being hurled into the sea was the exact opposite of what Jesus Christ's motivation was. But again, Jesus himself also speaks of his own sacrifice as the sign of Jonah in Matthew 12, verse 40. Jonah's quote-unquote death in the sea brought life to the seamen. But you need to remember that Jesus Christ, though he likens himself to Jonah, is much greater than Jonah. Jesus Christ shed his blood once for all for the sins of the world. He paid the ultimate price for sin, yours and mine, that no other human being could possibly pay. Our sins were placed on Jesus' head. Our souls were headed to certain death in the raging seas because of our rebellion, because we were running away from God. We were headed to certain destruction. Because of Adam's first sin, the whole world inherited a sin nature. But God, but God, he knew our estate, and he knew exactly where we were headed. He did not want his people, those whom he called out and upon whom he has placed his name, to be engulfed by the waves and tempest of his anger and wrath. So he made a way. He sent his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to bear that wrath and curse for us to calm the seas and to give us new life. You know, you and I are still prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the Lord I love. We're all still prone to give in to temptation. Temptation is all around us. But remember who you belong to. And remember that you were bought with a price. Remember that because of Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. You can cry out to him. O Father, Abba, Father. Don't run from him. Don't run from him. But run to him. Run to him. He was always there. He is our ever-present help in time of need. Run to Jesus. He's the only place you can run. You can't run away from him. Run to Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for your word. And we thank you that in your word we find hope, we find peace, we find joy because your word is about your son, Jesus Christ. Just like we saw in the story of Jonah being thrown overboard. We know that even though his motivation was wrong, he was still a type of your son, Jesus. And we know that you bore all of our sins on your shoulders and went to the cross so that we may be saved. We pray that you would keep that simple gospel message in our hearts and on our minds every day of our life because we ask in Jesus' name, amen.